we're back again with another episode of Woody Banter. Your host Nabil here with Daniel and Anika. Or Hugh-woman. Hu- or Hugh-woman. <laughs> Anika and, is good. <laughs> and our special guest today from the other side of the pond, Amer Qureshi. Hey, Amer. Hey, guys. Hi. Happy to be here. Nice. What if someone said, uh, I'm not happy to be here? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm quite miserable, but I I made it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, Amer is our cousin, mine and Daniel's cousin. Um, And Amer is really into music and he's an entrepreneur. And maybe we could start off by, Amer, you could kind of describe uh, maybe what you're up to in England and... um, uh, what you're trying to do with uh, your business and and music in general. We can get into... uh, Well, well, after I graduated, I studied, I did a master's in media and communications here. And after that, I decided I wanted to go into business. And I started a business in what I was pretty much the thing which I was most interested in at the time, which is high-end audio products and just nice-sounding audio products like earphones, headphones, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I was reviewing them on my YouTube channel and you know, on my site. Decided I was going to get some brands which I didn't have any representation in the UK, and I was going to take them, and I was going to become their distributor in the UK. So that's what I've been doing since about March 2017. Now it's been almost two years now. Okay. And I have two brands. One which is a Chinese company, and one is a company based in Chicago. And I import their products and I sell them to the local market, usually the UK and the EU in general. And how do you is it how do you approach these companies? Um, or do they approach you? Well, no, I approach them. Yeah, and then like when you when you're approaching them, I assume it's via email. And like, do you have to do you have to convince them that that you're going to be able to sell their goods, or what what's the uh, what's the discussion like between uh, suppliers like that? Well, the first time was with Lee, who is my friend and business partner, basically, and my supplier in Shenyang, China. Mm. And he has these earbuds, which he's been selling on Taobao and AliExpress for like years. Now, they cost like $5 or $6, and they sound very good for the price. They got really popular. They had a lot of reviews online. One of those reviews was by me back before I knew him. But I had a good report with him because he saw my reviews and thought they were really, really good. And he talked to me and said, you should continue with this. He helped some companies reach out to me and send me uh, review demo products so I could borrow them and review them and send them back. Um, when the time came where I wanted to represent his brand here, I said to him, I said, I want to start a distributorship. I'd like to carry your products here in the UK. And he said to me, he's like, I don't really need a distributor in the UK. He's like, but since it's you, go ahead. So he says, for the next five years, go ahead. You can sell to the UK. He's like, he's pretty much like the kind of guy. He's like, he's so busy with the Chinese market, which is where the real money is, mm-hmm. that he says, he says, if it helps you out in the UK, then go ahead. So he gave me the dealer terms, the dealer sheet, and I import um, every few months or so. I get like a thousand AirPods, and I put them up on Amazon, mm. and then they just sell by themselves. Amazon Prime. Um, it's called Fulfilled by Amazon, so you send them to their warehouse. Mm-hmm. Every time somebody places an order, they can be fulfilled with prime shipping really quickly. 
So I don't have to ship those out myself every day because they sell pretty much every day now. Oh, wow. And, uh, Do you think... They're uh, very cheap. Like, they're like eight, eight or nine pounds in the UK. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask what medium do you sell it? So most of your sales come from Amazon or do you do on your, like sell on your website as well? Or The earbud sales were on Amazon and mm. continue to be on Amazon. It's been, um, since March, 2017, I started selling on Amazon all the way till July of last year, 2018, mm. when I started my own site. Because when I took on the second company, um, this company based in Chicago and they make like very high end, handcrafted wooden headphones. Um, also, it started with me having reviewed them in the past and being a fan of the sound. And I approached Zach, who is the guy who makes them, and I said, let me be your distributor in the UK. And he was already looking for um, European distributors. He found one in the Netherlands, he found one in Germany, and he found me, and he knew that I liked the headphones, he liked my reviews in the past, and he was like, sure. So I went ahead and I started doing that as well. But the nature of those headphones are that since they're handcrafted, I have to be very, very careful about the margins because I have to be very, like, every penny counts pretty much. So mm-hmm. who, who buys, um, what's the clientele for handcrafted headphones and how long would, I mean, I guess, is it a lifetime commitment once you've invested in that kind of headphone? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess it's people well, who. It depends. Yeah. Um, there's people like, like you, you two guys, your age. I mean, them. They buy. They usually buy the entry level stuff, which is still like a thousand dollars. But still, um, if you go higher up in the range, I like. I met a fellow last last week at a local audio shop. He asked to meet me there and demo the headphones. And he walked away saying, you'll probably get an order from me, the most expensive one you have, because this one is definitely my favorite. And um, he was probably in his late 60s. Mm-hmm. So it really varies. I mean, one thing I can say is that it's all guys. <laughs> all, um, but the, the age range, the ethnicity, everything else is very varied. Mm. There's all kinds of guys. And they all have different preferences and... And it's the mainly music music listeners. I guess it depends on the the price range too, right? I'm sure the earbuds, pretty much anyone would be willing to buy. Oh, yeah. The, right? Yeah, the earbuds are an easy sell for the price because mm. that's what the kind of reviews I've been getting on Amazon. Like, oh, I didn't expect them to be this good for the price. And when December came around, I, my sales doubled on the earbuds because I'm pretty sure people wanted to buy them and give them out for Christmas, mm. which is... Which is a nice thought, um, but for the but for the big size headphones, it's definitely people want to demo them first. They want to be absolutely sure before they put down the money, and but I still get lots of orders by people randomly at like four in the morning. It's <laughs> um, an order. Somebody from Sweden randomly placed an order last week, and then I, I at four in the morning I'm awake and I look at the order and I think. Okay, I hope he's not drunk or anything. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he doesn't send me an email in six hours saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to." Yeah. But that's never happened. People are very sure, and they so can 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 anyone from around the world uh, order specifically from you through your Amazon shop? 
my Amazon shop is only to both of them are only to the EU. Okay, gotcha. The Amazon shop I originally had it set to only the UK, but I think they automatically made it so my Airbus can go around the EU. But I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. Most of my orders are from the UK, and for the headphones, it's EU in general. One thing I noticed on Amazon, at least, is when you set up a business page, you have two choices. There's one that's like a monthly fee, and then ones they charge by the product. Is there like it? it do you did you have those options, or what was kind of your thought process on like? There's a monthly them? subscription fee of thirty pounds, okay, which I do pay, but then they also shave off some off the top of each product, so it's kind of like both. Because if you go fulfilled mm-hmm. by Amazon, they take about. I would say 30% hmm. on each AirBud sale. That's why, um, yeah, about 30% on each AirBud sale, they'd probably take off the top. But I, it makes sense because they're housing them, they're shipping them out really fast, right. they're packaging them. I send them like a 500 AirBuds at a time, and the guys at the warehouse, the warehouse they take them out, they label, I label them, but they scan them and all that. So I don't I don't mind that. I think it's, it's a good... It's a. It's very good to have access to that. Um, the fact that Amazon is so huge. Right. The fact that Amazon has you can people review the things they get exposure, and fast shipping. It's just you can't really beat it for that kind of product. But for the big size headphones, I can't put them on Amazon because thirty percent off the top would be huge. That's yeah. probably around what I would make after that after import charges, after all these different things. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, I can't really put them on these like these wooden headphones. That's mm-hmm. why I started my site for these. Also, it gives me a better platform to have my own marketing mm-hmm. and, and to have my own like site design. I, I use Squarespace. It's a little expensive, but I was using it previously for my own blog. So I decided I'm going to get a business account now with Squarespace, and I think that was a good decision because I don't really know HTML. I don't really right. know website design. But even for someone like me, it's been really simple to use. Mm. So I've managed to get a running site and all that. And they handle billing as well, or how does that work, like on Squarespace? Billing is done through. Uh, there's two options. You can have PayPal, or you can have. You can you can have PayPal, and you can also have a company called Stripe. Mm. Okay, I haven't heard of that. PayPal pay you immediately, but Stripe um, they wait a week then they give you the money into your account. But I didn't opt for PayPal because for the level of selling that I'm doing, they have their highest possible cut that they take off the top, mm. which is 3.4%. Okay. If you sell like 5000 or 15000 a month, they'll lower it to like one8 or something. Whereas Stripe, even though they wait a week to pay you, they charge about 2%. So I thought I'm going with Stripe for now. Because mm. when it comes to something of this, of this price, Every little percentage counts, I think. Right. On the high so, items. Amir, tell us a bit about, you know, we focus uh, in this podcast on creativity. And, you know, you're focusing on your entrepreneurial business endeavors. Um, but you're also a musician. Uh, what is the relationship between your business and your love of music and your, you know, ability to create it? Tell us a bit about when you started playing uh, the guitar and how you learnt to play it, and how it relates to the business that you're doing, if it does. 
the first time I tried playing guitar at length was when I visited um, Sal Michala's family in summer of 2004. Where? Dubai. Oh, okay. In Dubai. I visited them in Dubai, mm-hmm. and Nasir Khalu's guitars were there. Mm. And I would just, I didn't know how to even hold the notes with my left hand. I would just pick the open strings, which were heavily detuned, because I didn't know how to tune them. With my right hand, I'd mess with the tuners, and I broke a string that way, I remember. And um, I went back to Pakistan deciding, okay, I want to learn guitar now. And I think it was Sheriar, who is, mm-hmm. I guess, my uncle, uncle's yes. cousin. Mm-hmm. He had a guitar, which I think it was a trendy thing in Lahore at the time, mm-hmm. to pick up the guitar, but then you have to teach yourself. So he gave it to my mom, who brought it to me, and I fiddled around with it, and I learned how to hold the notes. And basically all my learning was done online. Hmm. I didn't have a teacher or anything. Yeah. I would go online, I'd learn how to read guitar tabs, I learned how to tune the guitar, and just playing along with Green Day songs and Oasis songs and building my way up to more intricate stuff. But it was always something I was pushing myself to do because nobody around me, well, you know, my father is, loves music, but he was playing a different instrument and playing in an entirely different kind of music, hmm. whereas I liked American music and British music. Uh, English music, and I wanted to learn to play those songs on the guitar. So it's been carrying on since then. I went to America in 2007. I bought the guitar I always wanted. I've had it since then. Which one is that? And that's my. Uh, it's the. It's called an ESP KH2. It's the black guitar I have. Mm. It's the one I think Daniel saw when he. Uh, you oh, must have seen it. Was that the one? Uh, it was owned by someone in like from Metallica or like that same brand or. Yeah, oh, yeah okay. it's that signature by the band. It's okay, the one yeah. with the skull and crossbones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you made a, a YouTube video of you playing it? Because if if so, I've seen it through that. Then. You. Pr- yeah, yeah, has. I did. Okay. Last year. Gotcha. Yeah, so that that guitar has been my main guitar since, but I only ever had that guitar, and then sometimes I'd have an extra one as well. But then last year, there was a long period of a few years where my, my interest kind of waned because mm-hmm. I was getting so into headphones. It started in 2016, really into headphones, really into audio gear, really into earphones, earbuds, all these kinds of things. But I didn't really play guitar that much. But the start of last year, I suddenly um, – I, I live in a house share. So it's like this large mm-hmm. house, and there's mm-hmm. four one- – uh oh, we lose him. We yep. lost him. We <laughs> lost you. No. Okay, let's try calling him back again. Brief intermission. Should I brief intermission. I wonder if it's like frozen like that for everyone else. <laughs> I guess that's the hassle of international. Well, you guests. didn't. We didn't disconnect from you. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, that, that was. <laughs> that was in Pakistan too. That wasn't even. <laughs> Hmm. I think it's on his end. Well, he's um. So I mean, one of the things that I I think I'd like to catch up with him about is you know. How come it was just the guitar and no other musical instrument? And you know, how obsessive do you need to be to get to the point where he's at? Well, probably uh, the music that he was interested in, like naturally brought him there. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He probably could have 
you could have easily done drums or something else. Oh, that would have been painful <laughs> if he was, you know, as he's saying, he's in a, uh, a home where... Yeah, shared yes. living space. I was going to ask him that. Like, I wonder if he's gone there and he complains. Yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah. man, could you keep it down? <laughs> you started playing the piano. piano, yes. The Russian teacher. Yeah, she, yeah. She was nice, but the husband was like very Dimitri. Yeah, he was very yeah, strict. Yeah, I remember. What did that in. did that help you flourish as a musician, or did it kill your? I think it killed, because then I was too nervous to even like. Knew me online, so he just walked down the stairs and knocked on the door. Oh. And I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. But then I then I noticed his T-shirt, and he mm. had like a band T-shirt, like David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Mm. I said, hey, I love that guy. He's like, I love that guy. <laughs> so, we became, so we became friends from like shared like blues and old classic rock music. Mm. And we jam sometimes and we go to guitar stores and try out stuff. Um, and I guess when I saw his collection of guitars, I kind of thought, I want stuff too. <laughs> so I went and bought a bunch of guitars after that because each of them do, does a different thing. Right. That black one I have, even though it's really nice for metal. Mm-hmm. You can't really play blues with it, and you can't really play clean um, picking style stuff with it too. So right, and I guess when you have it, when you're playing, it's connected to your computer, and then you have your headphones on, so it's not like you're like you well, have I, your amplifier yeah, just blasting. <laughs> we we that, seem to have a technical play. difficulty yeah, here. Yeah, Amir, I'm just gonna hang up real quick, and I'm gonna call you back just so I can get your video on our our stream. Okay. the guests I mean the viewers don't have any comments, comments. we don't have anyone how funny would it be if we in... just weren't streaming this whole time what? <laughs> so how funny would it be if we just weren't streaming this whole time <laughs> hello yes alright we can hear you and can we see you see... we can see a blue screen there we go. sorry I had to switch I had to switch to my phone because Yep. Yes, that works. That works. This is good. This is good. We see All you. Right. Sorry. So back to the conversation. Cool. So now you've got. You said you had eight guitars now, or did you have them last year? Now he has five. I think. Mm-hmm. Earlier than earlier last year. Yeah. Now I sold a few. Now I've settled on the five electric guitars that I have, mm. and one cheap bass guitar, because I don't really play bass. I'm still learning. And uh, one cheap uh, acoustic guitar, and two cheap novelty guitars, I guess you could call them. One's called the Cigar Box guitar, which has four strings, and it's a it's a square guitar basically. Hmm. And but, a quick interjection here: Timur wants to know uh, regarding Brexit. Did that affect your supply chain, imports and exports, in any way? Well, when the vote happened, I wasn't doing business at all. Mm. So. So no. So no. <laughs> <laughs> but do you well, anticipate if it, you know, if they are able to follow through on Brexit? Do you anticipate oh, yeah. a change? I'm anticipating something. That's hmm. why I've been placing orders to get stuff into the country before it happens. Um, just building up stock, which I'm keeping here in front of me, um, because. 
I don't know what's going to happen to the exchange rate again, but it's already been dipping quite a bit since even before, since July even. Mm. Um, it's the pound is nowhere near as strong as it was when I first came to the UK. It was mm. almost two dollars to a pound then. Then when Brexit happened, it fell all the way down to one point one nine, one point two. Um, now it's one point two eight, but when I started the business, it was one point three four. So every little thing I have to keep in my mind because I have to pay my suppliers in dollars, even the Chinese one. Mm. So, you know, I have to reflect the prices if I can in my own store. And nothing so drastic has happened yet. But I remember there's a local distributor whom I know of. I've met him quite a few times at shows. He, his site had to, he had to bump up the price of everything on average by like 50 to 200 pounds, depending on the price of it originally. Mm. Um, everything after Brexit because the yeah. exchange rate had plummeted so much that he was losing money if he didn't do that. I remember that was when I was visiting too. So I was like, Brexit happened and that was in New York. And then I, I started seeing the things about the pound dropping. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because you were going oh, yeah. there on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have made, made traveling and visiting the UK much, much cheaper, I'm sure. But over here, it was like, calamity yeah. yeah so even with those things considered um how do you feel uh do you ever get worried about oh no my business well first of all would you say your business is bringing you a sustainable income do you feel like comfortable uh, you know paying your living expenses just off the income from your business yeah 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 for sure and, and in the foreseeable uh, future does that uh Will it retain? Do you feel that you'll you'll retain that, or do you think maybe you'll have to pivot at some point? Or no, I think okay. I'll maintain that. It's um, the new stuff that's coming has been a bit popular. Once I get stock of the new flagship, even mm. two sales of those a month would be really good for me, because mm. that is the top of the line one. And I'm assuming the um, more. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe the this is also a sign of a growing global middle class, because that just means that there's a growing market for high-end audio equipment, specifically Not headphones. Only that, like, even just selling online in general, there's a lot of people who go on Shopify and Amazon and sell there. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely more easy to become an entrepreneur now, because like, like you were saying, all the shipping and uh, stocking is kind of handled by Amazon, right? So... For the earbuds, for the headphones, I do. I ship them out every um, every so often. I have all the packing materials and boxes in here, mm. and I ship them out to people. Usually as fast as I can because the people love that. Mm. Because um, I've noticed um, the impatience, thanks to Amazon Prime, is at an all-time high. Of course, of mm. course. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> open the door as soon as they hear the doorbell ring and or think it's, been it's two gonna days, be? Like, yes. Where's my package? <laughs> so I, I bought something on. Thursday and I'll receive it tomorrow and even that feels like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what so. do you think uh, you know we, we last time we talked about pivoting and you know making changes um to your lifestyle. Um your business is fairly mm -hmm. new. Uh your music you've been doing for many many years. Um what do you see yourself doing differently you or know over the next you? few years? Or do you think you're going to continue on this trajectory? I have to continue on this trajectory and learn how to be better at it. 
because right now I'm not a salesman. I've never really been a salesman. It's not really been in my nature to like get that, you know, not the stereotypical salesman. Hey, let me talk to you about some products I got. (laughs) (laughs) But but do you even buy from salespeople? I mean, you yourself, you, you bought eight guitars. Did you have to be convinced by someone or was this, is there something else going on? There's a lot of research involved by the person themselves before they make these decisions, including by me. Mm-hmm. Before I bought every guitar, I knew there was something I was going to be interested in. And I bought online, and I bought them used, so I'd always get a good deal on them. And I knew if I wanted to sell them afterwards, I'd always be able to break even at least. Mm-hmm. So there is that. And um, the same goes with the headphones that I'm selling. Um, yes. In the UK, there hasn't been any representation of these headphones before because it's been a, a US brand. And the guy himself has been going to American shows, um, trade shows. His first trade show in the UK was last year. And that was the time I met him and his wife for the first time. And this was after I was distributor. So we had like an online um, friendship that turned into a business relationship beforehand. And then I finally got to meet him after I was already his distributor. And then at the table, I did a lot of the talking. And I guess I was being a salesman, but it wasn't so much being a salesman. It was more like people already knew that I was a reviewer. Mm. So they would say to me, okay, can you describe the difference between these two? And I like this kind of music. Which of these five models would I like the most? Why do you think that? You know, that kind of, just engaging with people in that regard and being able to talk about the hobby in general kind of works because you help people decide what they want. Mm-hmm. So would, would you call yourself I, an influencer? Well, also, I was going to say, I would still consider that uh, That's probably the new sales. way of selling. It's, yeah. Being an influencer. Yeah. Um, you're kind of hitting the people who are interested, and you're growing their interest in a not-so-rash way. Right. A year ago, I would have been like, I don't want to be an influencer. I just want to talk about headphones and the stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I've been buying. I used to buy headphones used, review them, then sell them. Mm. and then buy something else, review them, and sell them. Eventually, I started finding stuff that I really liked, and I'll end up keeping those. And um, what ended up happening is, yes, I did end up influencing people. who I, I Later on, I met them. Like six months into doing the reviews, I, I realized I actually had a following online. People Because when I went to a trade show, like people would recognize me by my voice, Wow. And they say, yeah, you convinced <laughs> me to buy that, that headphone. Then in my head, I was thinking six months ago, I thought that was a really good headphone. Nowadays, I'm kind of lukewarm on it, but I didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of chalked it up to my own growing um, experience with headphones and what I liked, and my tastes kind of shifted as well. Like when I first started listening to high-end headphones, I wasn't really listening to like jazz music or really like old really well done acoustic recordings and binaural recordings. Hmm. Once I started getting better and better headphones, I started really liking those old Miles Davis albums and old jazz recordings, really, really well produced and recorded stuff because you can hear them really well on a good pair of headphones. Hmm. And when I started getting better headphones, I started hitting those differences and Hmm. my taste kind of changed as well. I mean, I still like the metal and I still like the old stuff that I listen to I was a teenager, but there's a more variety now, and um, it's easier to talk to people too because mm-hmm. the older people usually tend to like that kind of music as well. So I can talk to them as well. 
Do you think there was like about a? Do you, do you think we kind of brought it up before the podcast, but like, uh, do you think there is, there was a conflict of interest, or do you think that it's like okay, I like the product and I'm t- telling people to buy it, but I also happen to get a percentage, or did that not even happen? Oh, you mean like affiliate links? No, that yeah. never happened with me. Oh, okay. I never had I never had Amazon affiliate links. I never had any company affiliates. Um, I never got it. Eventually, what ha- ended up happening was that my university panel, whom I can talk to you about later, basically how I ended up in this this gig that I'm doing right now, hmm. they sponsored my visa, my entrepreneur visa, hmm. and they. I'm pretty sure one of the reasons they did it is because they saw my YouTube following which when I first started was about 700 subscribers. And then they saw it grow and grow. I think they were keeping tabs on it because they started talking to me like I was an influencer and that I should wholly embrace it and Mm. go after brands and say, send me your product, I'll review it, but you have to pay me first. It'll be a sponsored review. Mm. And I got really- So how many followers do you have now? Now I have a little, uh, 4,020 something. Whoa. So it's 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 growing in the background very very slowly because I haven't really uploaded a review in several months and I don't think I'm going to for a while. Mm. Um, what because you, what are your thoughts? I never I never made any benefits off of being a reviewer unless it was like a um, a reviewer discount on something, but that was like a personal purchase on my part. It wasn't like the company paying me for a review or anything right hmm. would you be open to that or do you think that affiliate marketing is kind of like not very authentic i've seen linus do it i've seen lots of people do it it's just um it does it, it invites the most critical kind of people who maybe like 10 percent of your audience would care a lot about that sort of thing hmm. and they will not trust you after that and hmm. for some reason i really cared about maintaining the most amount of trust from everybody mm. because I thought if I'm going to, if I'm going to put too, so much work into these reviews, which I'm not getting anything out of right. in terms of monetary like um, return, like I kept trying to put ads on my site. I couldn't figure it out. So I just left it. I didn't really care that much. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but the YouTube, the YouTube revenue did happen um, slowly and steadily. I did get a few returns on that, but it wasn't really about that. And the idea that when the university panel said I should pursue that, I did kind of get offended because I thought this is a completely separate thing from my business, which they endorsed me for, for the visa. Hmm. And I really shouldn't have to, because it's, like it's like a hobby thing. So once they started talking about monetizing, my, in fact, one of them even said to me, he's like, why are you so against making money? <laughs> 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 so they said you, you they said you have some kind of 70s hippie attitude about making money i said no i don't i just it's like <laughs> i want to make money through my business my reviews are my pastime it's always been a pastime hmm. i could not imagine going to a company and saying send me your product and pay me this much money hmm. and then i'll do a sponsored review even though that does happen that happens a lot right with guitar reviewers it happens with linus it happens with all kinds of tech reviewers and they make their living off of that. I wasn't making my living off of reviews, so I didn't really feel the need to do that. I have nothing against people who do that, but I do think it should be disclosed every time. Right. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's the law. You have to disclose any sponsorship that happens. Um, I think on Instagram they do and, something. Um, like you have to have yeah, Instagram, your YouTube. There's a little tick box you have to put if there's sponsored content mm. in the video. 
And so I never ended up doing any sponsored content. The only thing it benefited me, the whole review thing, is that it got me a lot of, um, it got me a following, people who trust me. It got me exposure, and it got me the the place that I am today where I was able to approach two dealers and have them let me be their distributor in the UK, basically. Mm. So I was able to springboard using the reviews into this part of the life now, which is the business, basically. So I can stop the reviews and move on to having guitar as a hobby and having the business being headphones and earphones and stuff like that and selling them. So, uh, Amir, I know you mentioned um, that your interest is not that much in Pakistani music, but we know that you are very interested in Pakistani food, uh, a particular kind of food. And we have a question here. Nabil can oh, probably yeah. read it out. <laughs> From Timur, question for Amir. <laughs> What's your current special home-cooked dish? We have seen you've really stepped up your cooking game in recent years. I like making... There's an aloo kima which is spicy. I don't know why I'm explaining this, but it's like a spicy... Well, some viewers might not yeah. know. <laughs> with, with potatoes. Mm-hmm. And I love making that because I make it very differently than anybody I've met before, um, in Pakistan especially, because they like to have it a little more like gravy of sorts. I like to have it a little bit more dry, mm-hmm. but then I like eating it with yogurt. And it has a little bit of a coolant next to a really spicy kima. Mm. And that juxtaposition has been really good. In fact, I make burritos out of it, and I had my Chinese friend try it, and she was she was like, this is amazing. Like, you could literally <laughs> sit in Camden in a stall and sell this to people. <laughs> I think new business. If, you, yeah. if your business doesn't work out, just do that. <laughs> just start selling burritos. Alukima uh, burritos. I feel like when we went to Zareen's, like yeah. that whole Pakistani burrito, Indian burrito is kind of... There's a restaurant here in Palo Alto called Zareen's, and they have this... Uh, uh, what is it? Butter chicken? Chick, uh, chicken tikka burrito, basically. Right. So it's it's a, it's what you'd imagine, but it's really good. And the same oh, thing with pizzas as well. They also have, which you'll find interesting, I don't know if they have it in England as well, um, a samosa roll. So it's actually a, a regular samosa wrapped up in a, a naan. Like a hot pocket? Like a hot pocket, yes. Oh, so it's like double bready? Yes, of? it's double bready. <laughs> there's, a, there's a YouTuber I follow who does cooking videos, and his name is called Food uh, Food Wishes. Oh, yeah. And Chef John, he did a video like maybe just yesterday where he basically took a samosa's inside and he put it into a quesadilla. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and he's like, he just took the, the filling of a samosa and made a quesadilla out of it. Hmm. And he was like, I prefer this. Was there any cheese in there? No, there was no cheese. It was just proper... He Mm. put peas in there, which I don't like, but besides that, it looked like standard samosa filling. That was like... That's like an Indian dish. Isn't there an Indian dish that's like uh, potato-filled, but it's like like a quesadilla kind of thing? It's southern Indian. uh, Yeah. Badura? Uh... Shinalu Parata. Ajit would know this because he took me to the to the place. Yes, but that uh, is a thing. That that is a thing. Yep. Do you is there Indian pizzas over there in England? You mean like a chicken tikka pizza? Yeah. I had a paneer pizza once. Yeah, like a chicken but, tikka um, pizza because they have a place here and yeah. I really enjoy that. There's two kinds of chicken that are really popular with fast food places. There, there's piri piri chicken. Hmm. Mm which is the South African kind. And then there's uh, Indian chicken tikka and that kind of stuff. 
Mm. So are are you I'm going to gear shift here. Are you interested in any uh, new current music and do you have an opinion on on that? Just uh, I guess what genres no. do you one do you listen to new music and two what genres are they? I mostly listen to stuff from the 60s to the 90s. Hmm. There's a bunch of stuff from the 2000s I listened to, which I listened to when I was a teenager, so I still have that. Hmm. New music... Um, I guess rock isn't too music. mainstream now, is it? Like It was probably more rock in the cool. 90s. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a new song, which just got stuck in my head or something. Hmm. I don't know, man, because even when I was in... Um, Long Island back in 2009 if I had the radio on I would just want to turn it off well I, I do agree that the radio music I don't enjoy either but uh, but now artists? with the internet there's usually usually you can find you know the music you like from people who are making new music um, so if you're if you're not interested in the, in new music is there a reason is there a reason why they're not making it like um, how they I guess used to make music oh how or you like we're it we're totally skipping past my dissertation topic okay what what was that <laughs> i did a dissertation on k-pop oh, okay um, when i was studying here and yeah i used to listen to that stuff but now after a while i got bored of it it was a phase to be honest mm. but um and your general was census was that it was enjoyable or good the, the very interesting thing is with the Korean producers who make K-pop, and they had a lot of Western producers fly in and also produce their bands, uh, groups rather. Mm. Um, if you listen to it from a purely musical point of view, there's a lot of influences that they take from the same stuff that I like. So I kind of saw it as like a modernization of stuff that I really enjoy to listen to in general. Like let's say there's a K-pop song which takes the that song, uh, Sweet Dreams by Eurythmics. Mm-hmm. And puts it through like a hyperspeed kind of thing, make it like, and make it modern sounding like that. It doesn't quite rip it off, but it kind of is very heavily influenced by that. Can you hum it and for it's us? Very heavily influenced by. <laughs> I can't. I okay. <laughs> but um, they take a lot of influences from the '80s, um, mostly the '80s, and I love '80s music, cheesy '80s music. I I just I love that stuff. And um, they took a lot of influences from that, and they made modern pop songs, which I couldn't understand, which is probably a plus, because from my understanding, the lyrics are very cheesy. But if you use the human voice as an instrument, it's very easy to just hear the music as an almost an instrumental, unless when they break out one or two English lines. Mm. Mm. Then, oh, I... then you have to kind of like mentally like just it's push no that longer... away. Right. You get used to it. So you didn't have to but, actually um, understand the lyrics, I guess. Yeah, you don't have to understand the lyrics. You can just listen to the melodies. And I found a lot of the melodies to be really good. But then in recent years, I don't want to sound like an old man in this regard as well. <laughs> but even K-pop went downhill, believe it or not. Back in my day, K-pop was <laughs> five years ago. Michael, even, even when I started listening to K-pop in 2014, I was listening to stuff from 2010, mm. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, that's that's the good stuff. But then the new stuff is not as good. Interesting. So it was like kind of like a weird. Yeah. Michael has a question. Michael say, asks, "How do you find good rock rock music now that it is not as mainstream as before? Any suggestions? K-pop is pretty enjoyable." 
It is. It's like a massively guilty pleasure. Um, rock music, I'm pretty sure if you go on Spotify and you look for artists that sound like the artists that you like already, I'm sure you can find a lot of stuff on there. So what would you, um, if you were doing a search like that, who would you be looking for? Hashtag Metallica. I'd be looking for playlists, probably. Mm. Playlists, which include um, an artist or one or two artists that I do like. I want to see what other people have put into that playlist to capture the so, same kind So of which group. artists do you like? Name the name. Modern artists. I mean, if I the artists that I like, like Metallica, Pink Floyd, Nine Inch Nails, all these bands that don't really do much anymore and Nine Inch Nails and new stuff I just don't even like but Metallica's latest album which was 2016 I thought was very good mm, it was. and for people in like they're still rocking after all these years um, but other new music I'm trying to uh, there's, a, there's a band called Ghost who become really popular they have like a kind of very melodic uh, very pop songy kind of metal music and they're mm. they come from Sweden they have very nice music and they dress up like the Pope and ghouls and they have this whole really majestic um, kind of twisted majestic kind of what do you call it like Marilyn Manson stage show mm. kind of like Marilyn Manson but a lot more tongue in cheek and they have a lot more like goofy kind of campy kind of music videos and it's pretty cool they have some good songs they're one of those bands that got really popular recently in the last few years mm. um, Ghost is the name do you listen um, to music at home or do you go out to listen to it? Do you, I like mean, live? you know how some people like to go li- and listen to live music or do, is that not your You saw thing? Metallica live, right? Yeah, I saw Metallica live exactly 10 years ago, this 28th of January. <laughs> that was my last concert, actually. I didn't go with one after that. Mm-hmm. And even that one, I had to, because I'm such a Metallica fan, that I joined their fan club to get pre-sale tickets so I could be right there in front. And I went and bought four of them, and I found uh, two of my friends who I was uh, suite mates with at the time, and then one guy from another building. We all went, we drove to the show, and it was a great time. But uh, that was my last concert because for some reason, my friends in New York, they didn't really feel like going to shows. And now that I'm here, I don't really feel like going to shows because I have to go by myself. And I don't know, going to a concert by myself doesn't feel like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Can't reminisce on it. I, I just don't like the <laughs> large group of people, just like in yeah. your way, like elbowing you oh, accidentally. Yeah, yeah. There was this guy. There was this guy right in front of us trying to start a mosh pit, and people just oh, threw him out. Yeah. <laughs> what was he trying to start? A mosh, mosh pit, pit where like uh, oh. you just like intentionally hit and run into people, but like oh, through oh, the oh. passion of the music. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good description. <laughs> he was like in a very, we were like in a very narrow side of the stage. Yeah. Because their stages in the very center of the arena. So you had like wider areas and the narrow areas. We were in the narrow area. Mm. So kind of like etiquette is you don't start a mosh pit in the narrow area. Yeah. This drunk guy was trying escape. to people just chucked him out of the way and he went <laughs> over to the side. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But live shows can be fun, yeah. Yeah, and it depends on the acoustics. I feel like festivals maybe would be, well, I guess it depends what the festival is. I was going to say not as enjoyable, but. Do you have any thoughts get- on on procedurally generated music, so music created by computers. And do you think that that has a place in the future um, for giving us music to enjoy and listen to? You mean like an algorithm picking out the notes in a scale or notes y- in a key? Yeah, unassisted by a human. Yeah. 
have you I don't even think I've ever heard anything like that? Okay, because I've heard some samples, and uh, it's nothing like it sounds. It, it sounds like it could be some song. A, a lot of demos are like classical music, um, and it sounds like oh yeah, that could have been created by some guy a hundred years ago, uh, and it doesn't make me go. I, I don't. I haven't like found a some algorithm that I'm like oh yeah, I really like listening to this, but but it's on the horizon, and I just wonder if. If anybody has any thoughts on, is that the is could that be the new wave? Yeah, because we music? talk about um, creativity and how there'll be another level of creativity as we move toward the future, and it won't necessarily be created by individuals. Or maybe I mean it might be created, you know, through software and and algorithms as opposed mm. to kind of the manual process of playing instruments. Well, a lot of a lot of people who are way more old timey than even me, they tend to look at modern music and say, "Oh, it's all made by a machine. It sounds so digital. It's so fake." Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of effort made to make it sound like that. And another reason why I, I ended up listening to a lot of K-pop music instead of Western pop is because when I turn on something in the Western charts, it would be very minimalistic, which I don't mind sometimes. But it'd be a lot of yelling over like a minimalistic beat, mm. a lot of like slurring. And then when I listen to K-pop, it's a lot of like, I guess the word would be try-hard. Okay. You have all these multiple key change, all these key changes in a song, and you have all these strange like bridge sections, and it got kind of progressive. <laughs> Some of the songs get really strange and progressive and avant-garde in a way, which is. Which makes me think, yeah, these producers in the studio—they're huge music geeks, and they know to get to get the money, they have to do these K-pop songs, and to get the exposure, the money, and all that, mm-hmm. the royalties. So they go ahead and they get out their music nerdiness into a K-pop song, and it was very interesting to listen to because it was like the opposite of something like a Little Pump song, which is just like a beat repeating again and again, and then, you know. right. <laughs> that kind of thing it was but i can't th- i don't think i've heard of anything which is just purely done by a machine yeah i was gonna mm. like i feel like if it was done by a machine how would it is it just gonna kind of generate based on everyone's reaction or one person's reaction like no so I, so it's um to be honest, I don't know how it works, but all I know is that it's not like a repetitive thing. Like the programmer doesn't say, okay, I want you to play these notes. Like you create some sort of algorithm where it just picks whatever it wants. Um, and it comes out just like, it comes out like random, but random in a musical way. It still sounds like music. Mm. So it just um, makes it on its own? Yeah, it just makes it on its own based on the algorithm. So essentially, I guess it has the all the tools. It knows what what uh you know it has all the sounds of the instruments it just it it by itself decides like Mm. uh how to put it together that would be interesting to listen to but then you kind of detach yourselves from it like from an emotional standpoint because you think okay it's interesting to listen to these notes that are being put together by a computer Mm -hmm. in a way that it makes musical sense Mm -hmm. but then you'll 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 eventually you'll think yeah but it doesn't really give any artistic like expression from somebody it's just the computer and a lot of people totally remove themselves from that aspect when it comes to pop music as well mm-hmm. like they'll see okay yeah somebody threw this together in a, in a studio but it's it's 
general mindset is so shallow. It doesn't speak to me as a person. It's just noise to me. Mm-hmm. I want something that kind of speaks to me more. So you... I, it'll, that, that hurdle will be, yeah, sure, there'll be computers making music, fine. But will people be able to overlook that power, that part? I was going to say, if people, do you think if people didn't know it was made by a machine, they would end up enjoying it more? Like well, see, if you had a cheeseburger that was made by a machine, that was really good. Right. Well, I guess no that's idea. the bottom line. If we right. can make algorithm, we can make music algorithmically and it connects with people. And I didn't tell you that it was made by a machine. I mean, even today, if you heard stuff on the radio, um, I mean, technically, those are made by machines, but but again, I don't know that that part probably won't come into the conversation as much when when it becomes a normal thing and you're just online browsing like, ooh, I like the the way this sounds, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of who it's made by is almost an afterthought. Like, okay, let me look into this. Who made this? And then I guess maybe the beat could be made, but then when you get into vocalists, I mean, maybe at some point. I mean, we we already have uh, we're able to replicate kind of human voice it sounds robotic right now but like think of like google when it how it answers your phone for you now but those are voice actors who do that is it though i know alexa is for sure i don't know about google okay fair enough there's an interesting piece of machinery which i'm getting tomorrow actually which kind of relates to this it's called a kemper profiler and basically it's this it's this german company that came out with this kit this unit which basically it profiles guitar amplifiers and bass amplifiers and what that basically is is you have this digital piece of machine this machinery which is it's only been released in 2012 and every ever since then it's been improved with software updates mm. and what you do is you take the line out from it plug it into a mic you put the mic in front of your real guitar amp your it can be a tube run guitar amp can be a solid state transistor amplifier. But the thing about guitars are we tend to prefer tube sound because it sounds more analog. It sounds more natural to us. Mm. The cranking of valves and tubes and all that. I can't quite get away with the tube amp in my living situation because you really have to crank those to get the really good tone out of it. So I've been using a transistor amplifier, which is still very good, but it's not. Is the electricity consumption way higher for tube amplifiers? No, I don't. I don't believe so. When you when you say it's not, uh, you can't use it in your living space. Oh, it's because it gets too. Because he has to get. It's, oh, you have to, to play it really loud. Even a 15 watt tube amp would be. If I put it on full volume, I, the police would come by. Oh. <laughs> it get really loud. So you have to play I, it loud play to like. Amp, like hear nine it? o'clock. Mm. Nine o'clock out of like a full dial. But the thing about this Kemper profiler is, it uses EQ and it uses you can. The way it does it, it like it sends these signals to the through the guitar amp and it picks up the signals through the microphone and it makes a snapshot of how the guitar amp sounds and then you've captured it and then you can make the same you can use that profiler, you plug it into your preamp, you plug it into your computer, mm-hmm. you can get the sound of your analog tube guitar amp through your computer through that Kemper profiler now. Mm. And it's been used by so many bands now because it's so much easier than carrying around a very heavy piece of tube amp machinery, getting your roadies to carry that around. You just carry around this lunchbox looking thing, mm-hmm. and that will have all your tones. It's very accurate sounding. In fact, a lot of purists have been wowed by it because it's like, for the, the sound of a recorded guitar with an amp in front of the mic, that is, if you listen to a rock song, that's what you're hearing. You're hearing the, the microphone from the amp. You're not hearing the amp how it would have sounded in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
well, that is enough if you're playing a live show. You can have that sound, the perfect sound that you want, very easily obtainable through this piece of machinery. And you can have it mimic those guitar amps, like 500 different guitar amps into one of these profiler boxes. And you can carry around the world with you and you can plug it into the PA system in any arena. And there you go, you have your sound. So for the layperson, so the you you put together different sets of amplifiers to kind of act as a filter on on your sound is that a correct assumption on why you would pick different amplifiers yeah different amplifiers do very different things just like different guitars do different things like a certain fender amplifier would be very nice for a very clean sound very mm-hmm. bright clean sound with lots of echo mm-hmm. whereas another amplifier would be very good for like heavy distortion metallica tones um for example there's an amplifier made by a guy named howard dumble who's based in california he's been making them since the 70s he sells them for like fifty thousand dollars at least Holy moly. They're, very, they're very boutique level lamps made for pros and they're very very expensive and very 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 good i've heard the demos on youtube so this guy went and he profiled his dumble amp and he sells the profile online for like 30 bucks. And he's made so much money. <laughs> oh, because people can't afford the real thing, but they can afford these snapshots of the sound. Oh. And it's pretty accurate. It's not like 100% of the way, but 85% of the way with paying 30 bucks. It's a no-brainer. I'm going to buy that once I get this thing wow. tomorrow. So the profiler, <laughs> so you can basically, it's, it's like save. It's almost like saving a preset, and you can just do that almost, almost uh, like manually, as in like, as you said, you just put the guitar in front of the microphone and then this kind of intercepts the sound in between. Or do you plug the guitar in directly? Yeah. Oh. You you plug in the Kemper profiler into a guitar amp hmm. and then you use a mic to capture the... It sends a signal. It sends this very scary sounding signal hmm. and these thump sounds, but it picks up everything through the microphone, transmits it back, and then it takes that and it uses that as a snapshot of, okay, this is what this guitar sounds like. So if you use... The amp, the profiler to play a chord or any note, it's going to sound like that amp. Mm. And there's A/B comparisons on YouTube, which I've been going through. And I thought, you know what? I want to find this. I, I want to buy this thing and try it out, because if it can, if I can avoid having to buy like a real tube guitar amp, mm-hmm. which I can't really make full use of in here anyway, if I can buy this and use it with headphones, that's just great. Which is probably what I'm going to be doing. Are we going so, to get so a sample of your music? Yeah, see. once I get everything you see on, unless I'm lazy, <laughs> I just use my phone. Mm-hmm. Anything I on Instagram or Facebook will probably be through that because it's just so easy to use. Mm. You just mm. record the guitar signal into your computer, sync it with the video, and then that's it. It's good and done. Were, were you referring yeah. to uh, when once he gets this thing set up or were you referring to him play something live right now? Well, I was pre- referring to live right now and the thing set up too, but... Okay, well, well at I, time right now, yeah. we have about seven minutes left, so... Um, is that something you'd be interested in or is that too much work? Um... You can say no to us. Yeah, we we don't. <laughs> you won't insult us. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I could get away. I can't play electric guitar right now because it's mm. 1 a.m. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's no, true. we don't want your neighbor knocking at your door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> at risk of the podcast. But, but oh, I mean, we do always end with, you know, well, naming your... Well, we did have a question. Or oh, I did. You do have least. a question? Oh, okay. Well, so uh, we were wondering about how you started with guitar. Like, I know you're interested in rock music, but like, why, why wouldn't you have gone for the drums or something else? Like, why'd you pick the guitar specifically? Grand, or I'm, I'm assuming it had a much higher learning curve, or maybe it didn't. Drums are very hard to play. Hmm. I've tried a few times. I just can't get the multitasking quite down. The guitar I picked up because there was a few bands I was listening to at the time, and I would always look at the guitars and think, this guy is making so many different sounds come from the guitar using guitar effects and guitar pedals. It's a very versatile instrument. And I thought, I'd like to do that. I like to try all these different sounds coming from just one instrument. And there was this guy who was a friend of a friend. He used to play guitar. I watched him play guitar, and I thought, yeah, that seems really cool. I want to try that too. It just kind of happened that way. I'm not sure how. It was a huge craze back in the early 2000s in Pakistan where all these guys in Lahore were just in Lahore were just buying guitars. And it trickled down to Bahalpur in the sense that I bought a guitar but otherwise, people around me in school didn't weren't really interested in that. Mm. But I do think it was the right choice for me because it's a very expressive instrument. You can do a lot with it. You can play and you can sing at the same time with it, or you can play all these guitar solos and blues music and um, most genres of music, even K-pop. There's a lot of guitar work in K-pop that I listen to, and I think that's really interesting. That music, that particular song, Sounds like a surf rock song from the 60s, mm. early 60s, where he's picking that guitar, the tremolo picking. And for a guitar nerd, those things are really like fun to listen to. Um, so I think it just naturally happened that I like guitar more than the other ones. Is the is uh, the guitar and the piano are they similar in the way the music is composed or written? Because uh, for some reason, I get the sense that they are. I think I read somewhere that. To compose music, um, just a pop song or a modern rock song or something which isn't quite classical music, it's easiest to do if you're using a guitar or a piano because you can make the full chords and you can play an accompaniment to them. Mm. Or for a guitar, you can just strum the chords and you can sing a melody over them. On the piano, you can use your left hand to play the chords. Your right hand, you can think of a melody to go on top of it. So people do find it easier to compose on those two. But in terms of... Um, like if you were like yeah, it might be a little easier in FL Studio. Um, if I think about when I was kind of making beats, and you just kind of line up the notes with your little square boxes, rectangles, and you can make them wider. That that I mean yeah. was kind of piano based because there was a little piano on the left. But I but I was curious if like the guitar, the way you kind of make it in like FL Studio, if it was similar to like I guess the how you would think. Uh, of playing a guitar the actual note sheets are like the same right like the um what is it when i would like read the notes the when i was playing yeah the actual script that's like drawn mm-hmm. or whatever the right. a b the notes musical, the musical notes music sheet music sheet is the same in piano and guitar, guitar? right or no it should be yeah yeah, yeah. okay I, I can't read music notation but Mm. Yeah, you definitely. If you read, if you're able to read musical notation, you should be able to use pretty much any instrument 
and get away with playing the melody if you if you know the placement of the notes on the on in this case the guitar neck or even something like um what's an unusual instrument i don't the know ukulele. As long as huh? <laughs> i said ukulele and darnell said trombone <laughs> I'll show you this ukulele I have. Oh, it was oh. extra. <laughs> All right. In. It was this I bought from a, a huge guitar store in in uh, Germany. I bought a bunch of stuff from them, so they threw this in for free. It costs like 15 euros, so you know it's not going to be very good. Mm. And it's like it doesn't even stay in tune really. Okay. Because um, it's so cheaply made, but I thought it was interesting, and I do count it as one of the guitars I have. <laughs> I don't play it though. So actually, you brought, up, you brought up an interesting point. Um, you had mentioned that you can't, I don't know if you said you can't read it, but you can't write like a, like a musical composition. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on like people who can who can do that and how their the music they make turns out versus people who just know how to play the instruments? Uh, mm. Like what what and are your does it make a, a difference on how they how they compose music if you can read and write? Also, you did you learn in um without the musical notes or you just did it by ear that's add-on question i did it by ear and i use guitar tabs which i like they tell you the the placements on which note to put your finger um it's a very simplified version of this whole mu- the musical note thing and it's very specific to guitar yeah. but musical notes i mean you like you guys like oasis right mm-hmm. yeah no Gallagher never learned to read or write music i don't think he can read tabs either he just takes a melody he takes a chord progression and he just records it then he just works on it afterwards because once you figure out chords that work well with each other you don't have to really know theory too much to figure out if something sounds good to you you can run it by others it'll sound good to them and you can build on top of that Hmm. Uh, but if you're writing like a full orchestra then it would be very helpful because there's a bunch of things in musical notation which you can't transcribe into guitar tabs which are things like time changes and um different um tempos and stuff like that stuff which is very which is very specific to musical notation Mm. and sheet music which you can't really you can't really get away with doing that without using the actual written down stuff but i'm sure there's been people who can hear the sound in their head they can hear the melodies in their head and they can have someone else who knows these things transcribe them into sheet music okay whereas they can they can build on the melody in their head or they can sit down play a piano and then say okay i like this melody and then i'm going to ask somebody to take this melody that i just wrote add it to the rest of this pile that i'm building on um gotcha but if you're gonna but if you're gonna sit on a stage and play the violin you definitely need to know sheet uh sheet music in front of you so you know where you're going to go next and there's pages and pages of it i really do respect that but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. And coordinating the whole orchestra, I feel like you can't just be like, yeah. "All right, guys, let's freestyle it." Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that could. Just go by that my, would just be crazy. Just go by my. Has anyone ever tried that? <laughs> Have you ever been to a bar where they freestyle jazz? Uh, I think I didn't. You guys go, and then me and Daniel joined you at some jazz Did thing yes, around here. Yes, yes. Uh, was it I don't know if he was like freestyle. I couldn't tell. Mm. Um. It was it was it in Redwood City or uh, San Francisco? No, it was in uh, like not Redwood yeah. City, maybe San Mateo yeah, or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you guys, it was a tight, 
And you didn't want to stay there too I didn't long. Want to stay too, <laughs> too many, <laughs> too many people, too, too cramply tight. But, yes. but yeah, I don't remember if he was like just was riffing or. Mm-hmm. Um, That'd be impressive. Yeah, guitar, I guess. Um, jazz jams and improvisation is very interesting because jazz chords are very intricate. They're very different than standard pop music, rock music chords. They have their own little added notes that make them very interesting. Things that I can't play. Things mm. that I watched other people play when I was in college, and I used to watch them think, that sounds really, not really my thing, but it sounds interesting. And people improvising over that and going through the different key changes. And it, jazz music is really interesting to watch. It may not be your thing, but um, just watching them play off of each other, it's a very organic feeling. Mm. If it's seen... happening at a club and you're watching that. Do you think uh, the structure of, like, music theory and learning how to read and write music do you think that limits uh a musician's uh creative potential i guess it depends on the instrument maybe there are there are some people who say that when if they if they start with the notation they'll start with the theory mm-hmm. and they learn a lot of theory it might be a little hard for them to paint outside of the box mm-hmm. might be hard for them to get say okay i want to try something different but they're kind of chained to the thing that they know works, the thing that's traditional. I've heard of that happening. For me, it's the opposite. For me, it's like, I don't know any theory, so I have to just play things by air, and then if it works, it works, but um, when composing, I just have to keep listening back to it and thinking, does this work quite so well? Does it not work quite so well? Then I have to make a decision based on what it sounds like to me. But I can't... um, I can't come up with four chords and then look at my guitar neck with all the different notes and think, yeah, I'll probably play in this key or I'll play at this scale for this. Right. I wish I could actually. There's there's a few. There's some basic music theory learning that I should be able to force myself to do, mm-hmm. but I just get really lazy and I just default back into just playing something that I already know. Right. Or just laying over, improvising by air over some um, backing track. YouTube is very good for this. YouTube did not exist when I, well, it did exist when I first started playing, but not at the level it is now, where you can have all these backing tracks in certain keys, mm. and you just leave the backing track on for like 20 minutes, and it's like this slow jam, and you just play something on your guitar to improvise over that, and through that you get more and more comfortable with, okay, I'm playing in D minor, I guess these notes work, and etc. but I have to do it by air, and there's always a few mistakes in the middle. But as long as I can hear the mistakes, I'm not too worried. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, well, let's see. What time are we at? So we pretty much hit our hour mark. We usually go for at least an hour. Um, any any other thoughts on our minds? Anything? Uh, any so if you wanted to follow Amir and Oh, yeah, blog, social we, media plugs. Yes, Amir, yes. if you have any social media plugs, feel free to list them now. And I can include them in the description of this video. I'll type in your chat. Oh, okay. Perfect. um, um, I go by A-O-R-N-I-C on YouTube. And I guess on Instagram as well. Yeah, those two are pretty much the ones I use the most. Can you tell us a bit about Um, that? Because I never understood the A-O-R-N-I-C. Aornic? Yes. What, it was it was kind of a jab at Tamor at the time. <laughs> it was like, was, Tamor was walking around calling himself Lambda 87. I remember that. <laughs> and then I, 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 
I think I didn't know Lambda was a real thing at the time. So I kind of thought it was a made up word. So I thought I'll make up my own thing. <laughs> so I did. And it, and you just made a, you made Aornic up. That's pretty, it's pretty good name to, for it to be a Tamar, made Tamar, up. Tamar is typing right now. He's, he's going <laughs> to say what it stands for. I, I thought Lambda no, was from Half-Life. It's um. I thought it was it's a, a scientific yeah, yeah, Greek yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. 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 I didn't forget about that. What happened was tomorrow. Off, what does it stand for? Oh, he I says. I just made something up. I double made something up. It didn't really <laughs> stand for that. Uh, okay. Tomorrow says. Words. Tomorrow said it stands for. Amir Oman is cool. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> he just made that up. <laughs> no, but what happened was that. What I found is that um, a lot of people tend to see my name, and since it's not a real thing, they say Acorn. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people online kept calling me Acorn. They, they said, we said, we just defaulted calling you Acorn because Aornic isn't really a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, took, I took that, I made that my, com- my website name. Same thing happened Acorn? With... Yeah. Acorn Video is my website name. Okay. Same thing happened with Faisal. That from those people. Mm. Faisal's name was is Feezy and people online just kept calling him Freezy. <laughs> He's like, I'm not We're Freezy. playing games. Hey Freezy, can you uh <laughs> That's uh-huh. funny. Yeah, I just took like the online community's like second name for me mm-hmm. and I turned it into my okay, I said to myself, Aaronic is gonna be my reviewer thing. Mm-hmm. Acorn is going to be my business thing. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. My my official my official company name is A and Q Distribution Limited, which is very boring. Mm. When I wanted to make my website, I needed a better name. So Acorn Audio, that became the name. I like the technical business names uh, uh, personally. It sounds, I like industrial sounding names. (laughs) LLC Industries. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Okay. So So those were the two social media plugs, Aornic. Yeah, Aornic on uh, Instagram. and I see on Instagram and Mm -hmm. YouTube. Yep. Go buy yourself some expensive headphones. We or, know. The, or the, uh, or the earbuds. Less ones. Yeah. Or the earbuds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I know Faisal's been doing some expensive Christmas shopping, yeah. so he can get on that too. Affiliate links in the description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, let me... I'll keep stay on the call. I'm going to hang up the stream, and then I just want to have a... Post-game. Post-game conversation. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks Bye. for tuning in, and Thank you. toodaloo. Toodaloo. Bye. Uh, thanks. Bye-bye.